Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Econoday Unplugged on Tuesday, the 28th of July 2020. Our stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. The dollar is under pressure. Yesterday, the trade weighted index touched a two year low, while at the same time, gold prices climbed to fresh record peaks. Already high and in many t- too many states still rising, new COVID-19 cases in the US contrast with, at least for now, a much healthier picture in Europe and Asia. And combined with the promise of unlimited quantitative easing from the Fed, rapidly deteriorating US-China relations and doubts about the prospects for a new stimulus package from Washington seem to be weighing heavily on the greenback. Over the next few days, we'll get the first look at just how badly the coronavirus has hit the US and the European economies with the release of flash estimates of second quarter GDP. These will inevitably look very ugly. More up to date, there's also a number of important July data reports to contemplate as well. All of which, of course, means there'll be plenty to talk about at the FOMC meeting, which kicks off today. Policy-wise, both the Bank of Japan and the ECB have already opted to do nothing this month. But Mark, what do you think that Mm -hmm. Mr. Powell and co will have to say? Well, I think they're going to have to address um, immediate conditions, uh, or in this case, the uh, uh, the high level of uh, infections here in the U.S. and uh, less so on uh, what happened in the second quarter, and I think more so on what's happening or what happened in July. We had a little bit of a taste of this, of of what we can expect in this. These are the consumer confidence and consumer sentiment numbers. These are surveys that are done during the month for the ongoing month. And they both, as well as business, uh, uh, similar business uh, uh, surveys, expectations are going down. It's not usually that way. Current conditions now um, are better than expectations, which is... uh, which suggests that um, uh, the infection rates are, uh, there was an assumption that they would improve, and now that assumption seems to uh, be uncertain. Mm. And if there is going to be a second step downward in the economy, uh, that would be its own second wave outside of the infection rate. So it's a difficult, uh, a difficult position for the Federal Reserve to be in. Um, since they were already pretty much played all their cards. And do you think part of so? Do you think part of what what they may or may not do will be dependent upon you know, what happens with this package, which they seem to be you know, tossing around um, the Congress at the moment? Well, they'll certainly be calling for uh, a, a significant fiscal uh, stimulus, as they have been since they really played their own cards. The Fed back in March, that far ago, when they committed to unlimited uh, QE, uh, all along, almost the first thing they say is that you know we uh, monetary policy is pretty much they, they don't admit it that it's doing all that it can but they're kind of strung out what they need is fiscal uh, stimulus so um, they're uh, not going to take sides in the issue uh, which is you know playing out right now in Washington in an uncertain way uh, but they are going to be definitely pushing for um, for more stimulus and uh, what's interesting what's uh, unfortunate about this, and we saw this very clearly in the Canadian employment numbers, is that the low-income uh, group is the, the ones suffering uh, from the uh, COVID situation. They're the ones uh, have lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. 78%, uh, or that's more than 20% have lost their jobs. These are Canadian numbers. And, and these two employment reports have been moving in line together, the US and Canada. 
And 97, 98% of, of uh, middle and higher income still have their jobs. So the people who can least afford it are the ones that are getting uh, clobbered right now. So um, there's going to have to be some kind of a, um, you know, uh, the North, you know, however much Canada is uh, considered to be a, a social utopia, it's not proving itself in this instance at all. So there has to be some kind of a safety net here if we want to keep, you know, the, uh, the structure of our, I don't want to overstate things, but, you know, the, uh, our social structure together. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, I'm going to ask you in terms of you know, the, the hits so far, what's the expectation for second quarter U.S. GDP? It's pretty frightening. Uh, the economy day consensus, let me just check what the latest numbers are, is. is um, I'm going here in the calendar. The latest number updated is minus 35% annualized rate of contraction. And we've been talking, uh, Jeremy, over the last uh, couple months. Well, what do you think second quarter is going to do? And I, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You know. And your side is more like in the 10% or, or the, the, the low double digit range. Well, 35% is not low double well, digits. Well, I just, you know, I just got to mention there, the double digit ranges you're talking about, this is quarter on quarter. You're talking annualized rates, of course. In Europe, mm -hmm, it's just mm -hmm. quoted as a straight quarter on quarter. So, for example, that the Eurozone call at the moment, so that will be out on Friday, that's down 11.2% quarter on quarter. So, if you annualize that, you're talking what? Well, roughly speaking, minus 40%. So, it's about the same. What, do, do you have a, a year on year um, expectation for that? Um, let's have a look off the top at the moment. Let me have a look. But while I look for that, I just tell you that in terms of the components, and we touched on this last week, you know, which countries are likely to perform the worst? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, it, uh, Italy and Spain, where are they? I mean, they're expected to be down about 14%. It's a quarter on quarter in Italy. Spain, mm -hmm. um, although we don't cover that specifically, that's expected to be off the best part of 16% or so. So it's even worse. Yeah. So we, we are really talking some you know, pretty, pretty terrible numbers here. Um, let's have a look. In terms of the year-on-year -year rate for the Eurozone, so that is down, well, we're just shy of 14%, 1-4% on the year. So that's, a that's, that's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, I'll just be honest, if you can say down 14% on a year for total output is not a bad uh -huh. number. It really tells uh -huh. about the state of affairs in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, well and Sorry, the yeah. consumer, uh, and we have a, a consensus for the consumer spending uh, component, which is the, the bulk of the report, is 33% annualized contraction. Um, and that included, and, and these uh, predictions include what was seemed to be a, a pretty favorable um, June, and for retail sales, a, a, a favorable May as well. Um, uh, the manufacturing sector never really contributed much, but residential spending has been okay. Um, but in any case, uh, these are um, – but, uh, you know, I think for the markets and everyone that these will be kind of academic um, uh, when they come out on Thursday. I think probably the Fed's assessment of, of immediate conditions uh, will have uh, – you know, probably a, a greater impact, and it may take a day because those come out on a Wednesday afternoon, mm -hmm. and it may take a day for everyone to digest it. So that the you know the the assessment of the Federal Reserve's Wednesday move may actually uh, be more important for Thursday's markets and the actual GDP number, but that's just you know speculation. Oh. 
No, it's interesting. Particularly, we talked earlier about the idea that perhaps you know some of the the expectations components of the you know the more up to date figures, which I think, as you say, probably the markets can be more interested in really because we know the second quarter is going to be bad. It's just how bad. Um, we're getting a similar well, it's early days yet, the similar sort of pattern or early evidence of it in Europe as well. So certainly, the July consumer confidence figures, the flash numbers out of the European Commission, um, suggested that the recovery we've had in household sentiment may be starting to flatten out. In the UK, um, really, there's been no significant improvement in consumer confidence there either. So although, as you mentioned from your side, in Europe on the whole, if anything, retail sales have tended to probably recover um, over the last couple of months or so rather more sharply than most of the uh, forecasters anticipated. Mm -hmm. And that includes for central banks as well. But that may just simply reflect, you know, pent up demand from the lockdown. And now people are starting to look around and, you know, virtually you can't pick up a newspaper or look at a TV screen in the UK or continental Europe without it talking about, well, look, prosper, you know, such and such a retail sector has just, you know, lost another X thousand jobs. Somebody else has just, you know, shed employment by another X thousand. And it mm-hmm. is, you know, most of the kind of the media headlines are all pretty gloomy. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be interesting whether that actually translates into perhaps, you know, consumer confidence starting to struggle again. And well, so we, you know, we yeah. saw that last week here with the weekly jobless claims for the first time in four months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't go down. They went up and they seem to be stabilizing at about a million and a half uh, first time claims a week so that means businesses are going out of businesses and uh even though there are are, you know um, amazon or whatever is hiring of course but uh, there's a lot of people uh in the old brick and mortar who are being um you know cast aside and um we also had durable goods uh, yesterday which offered a uh, we're talking about retail sales they popped up here to actually match their february level in in total um but in contrast to that, we have um, durable goods orders, which are a measure for the manufacturing sector. And here, you know, uh, airlines are going out of business. Uh, Boeing isn't doing so great. And, uh, and cancellations, we've had three or four months. And you don't normally see cancellations in new orders. So they pull them out. And uh, so we've had three contractions of the last four months uh, in aircraft orders. And uh, unlike retail spending, uh, uh, durable goods orders are down 19 uh, tw- uh, percent. February is 19 percent above where we are now, so that's still a huge gap. Um, and that's a twenty. I don't know how you want to look at that or how you want to annualize that, but that is a very significant uh, yeah. amount of trouble. It is. No, I mean, that's a bit, the orders data data over there, we don't really tend to have too much which is compatible coming out of Europe. But, you know, the markets do place a lot of weight on the, the orders components of these PMI numbers. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at those as far as July was concerned, or at least the flash data anyway, you know, we saw by the looks, well, generally speaking, we saw positive growth in most of the Eurozone block and the UK. But we're talking about almost minimal growth. And we're talking about minimal growth from having seen the bottom fall out of the orders book you know, over the previous several months. So yeah, even if things are starting to turn around a little bit, it really doesn't seem to be, particularly over here anyway, as if there's going to be sufficient demand already in the pipeline to ensure that output mm-hmm. can actually start moving back in any kind of significant way towards where it used to be. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I suppose it's, so there's not so much talked about inflation these days, but um, something just for um, our listeners to be aware of. Um, on Friday, we'll get the flash HICP, as the Eurozone likes to call it. So they're harmonised index consumer prices. It'll be out for July. Um, that's expected to come in at 0.2% on the headline basis. So year on year, that'd be down from 0.3% and a core at 0.7% down from 0.8%. If anything, I should mention, was probably downside risk to this. And this re- revolves around Germany, um, where folks may remember we talked about they cut their VAT rate um, at the beginning of, of July. They reduced it by three percentage points. So the question here is, of course, how much a reduction in VAT uh, to shops actually pass on to the consumer if they were to pass all of it on then in theory we could see german inflation going from what 0.9 percent at the moment to into negative territory and of course um, the hicp includes includes germany it's almost 30 percent of it or so and what happens to germany is going to very much impact what happens to the eurozone inflation rate as well we'll get the german numbers out on thursday so as usual a day in advance of the overall eurozone picture but it's possible say if we were to see all the um, benefits of the vat cut being passed to consumers that uh, German inflation could uh, actually go negative and uh, if that were to be the case there'd be a good chance that Eurozone could have it as well. And the ECB Does, is still keeping their 2% they haven't talked about. Well this about. is this is it I mean they're due to if people remember that we talked about back end of last year that I mean this year the ECB was supposed to be having this massive structural review of what monetary policy really stands for you know, what it's supposed to be doing what it's aiming for and everything else then along came the coronavirus and it was shelved well they're due to resume it in the second half of this year uh, with the results expected now well originally they were hoped to be out kind of by the end of 2020 they're now tentatively sort of expected around about the middle of next year or perhaps a little bit later but one of the part, part and parcel of that review, of course, was going to be, look, do we maintain this so-called near 2% inflation target? Uh, as things currently stand, yes, I mean, this near 2% is their goal. And policy is supposed to be set with a view to making sure that HIC inflation moves up towards that level you know, over the medium term. So really, anything which suggests even on a temporary basis that inflation is going to go down isn't good news for them. And it's particularly bad news because although this cut in VAT is only supposed to be temporary in Germany. Um, currently, it's scheduled to be reversed once we get to the beginning of next year. But if it does lead to negative inflation rates, let's say over several months, of course, it could reduce down even further inflation expectations and put downside pressure on wages, etc., etc., which will make the idea of attaining you know, this near 2% inflation target you know, even more of a pipe dream than it appeared to be at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have I got to say? Not too much really from my side, I think. I suppose I should just mention in the UK, we did get a very strong pickup in June retail sales. Um, that was announced, where are we, in the last few days, um, up almost 14% on the month. And these are volume figures, by the way. So in the, in most of European sales figures are all done in volumes rather than uh, including prices, so nominal figures as uh, your side of the water. And it actually means that if you strip auto fuel out of this now, UK retail sales, somewhat amazingly, I must say, uh, are back above where they were before the lockdown was introduced mm-hmm. in March time, which is a, re- a remarkable recovery, I must say. Having said which, if you believe the what Confederation of British Industry are saying over here. Well, yes, today, I was going to ask. Now, that one came out today. The retail sales came out last week. What are, so uh, they, uh, they obviously retail sales tracks retail sales. What does distributive trade track? 
Well, distributive trades is broken down into things like retail sales itself, which is the main body, but it also causes you know, wholesale sales as well. So it looks at the broader picture of overall sales rather than just the retail sector. But as far as uh, the markets are concerned, when they look at this headline orders book, or so purchasing um, index, um, it's very much it's the retail side that they tend to concentrate upon. And that's data for July. And that's yeah, that's data for July. So that's more up to date than we've had so far, you know, in terms of the you know the hardline figures. And that suggested okay, we actually had a positive reading, suggests that sales have finally gone back into uh, positive growth territory. That's on a year-on-year basis. But when you look at the breakdowns of this, there's still some significant pockets of weakness. And um, the CBI itself, you can tell, is extremely worried. Again, it comes back down to fiscal policy. What's going to happen to the level of demand once some of these support packages we have come? coming out from governments all around the world at the moment. Um, if they are if they are starting to be phased out in the course of the next few months, what's that going to do to you know, disposable income and hence demand and so on? So it's interesting, although we've actually have had from the retail side some surprisingly strong uh, June figures, um, sorry, figures for June and, and indeed for May, there's still an underlying concern about what rising unemployment is going to do to demand you know, once we get over the next you know, two or three months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? We any any else from your side? I think. Well, I just want to throw in. Yeah. We were kind, we were kind of talking about it before the um, uh, broadcast, but it was about the uh, the Florida Marlins, uh, the baseball team. They caught a, a you know, they, they got a cluster within the baseball team. And now this, you know, uh, we've been wanting to watch a baseball game just to, you know, just to unwind. <laughs> and yeah. now, and now it's a nerve, it's a nerve wracking thing. So, uh, uh, and that is kind of out of the blue and it was, and they were supposed to be careful and all this other stuff. But, um, if that doesn't, uh, that can't possibly be good for consumer confidence. And that wasn't of course reflected in today's consumer confidence reading. Cause that, you know, it, it takes a week or so before these numbers can get published. But, uh, um, that was a, an unfortunate, um, uh, subheaders, you know, to uh, what's going on over here. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it's true of everywhere. I mean, looking around the world now, although, I mean, it does seem that the US has probably got the worst of it at the moment. You can look at Beijing, you know, where they had new clusters there and they've had some fresh lockdowns coming in. You know, parts of Spain is the same sort of thing. And indeed, just just looking at Spain, um, as of yesterday, the UK government was getting an awful lot of flack from the Spanish government because it reintroduced a quarantine for anyone coming in out of Spain traveling into the UK mm-hmm. following a rise in some of the Spanish numbers. So effectively, if you're traveling out of Spain into the UK now, you have to self-quarantine for, what, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's caught, well, A, that means effectively for the UK tourist industry, a big chunk of which goes into Spain. Um, you know, effectively, no one's going to go on holiday to Spain until it's lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a major hit to an industry which has you know, been, been hit massively already because of the fact that you know, people are very cautious now about going mm-hmm. overseas on holiday, even if they can do in the first place well let's talk about the sporting industry for a minute uh have you seen uh, 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 football has uh, been revived there? What for a month or two at least, right? And have you see, have there been anything uh, comparable to what we've seen here in baseball? 
Football is back in the UK, yes, but again, behind closed doors. And the same, more importantly, for cricket fans of the world, and, and good for them, uh, the Test Match Cricket as well, which I should point out, England beat the West Indies today, rah, rah, rah. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it's, I mean, sport is back in UK and in Europe, but by and large, you know, it's behind closed doors still. There have been some spotty, if that's the right expression, incidents of players becoming infected and having implications then for you know, localised shutdowns of a football club, whatever it may be. But you can tell, you know, such has been a hit to sport and hence the economy um, that, you know, governments are desperate to try and get sport back in some shape mm-hmm. or form. Um, but, yeah, it's how you manage the whole process of, you know, do you get it back and put all the fans in just in one big lump and all of a sudden you end up with a, you know, a second wave, which mm-hmm. you know, even more devastating the first one or, or, mm-hmm. or what? It's obviously something which is extremely difficult to manage. Okay, right. Well, hooray for sport, I suppose. Hopefully we still get get some of it on the way back. Um, But I guess we will end it there for today then. Um, So it's going to be a week in which, well, most of the big economic numbers are going to look truly awful. So we'll need to see a significant and sustained improvement in the data going forward. If the unprecedented wave of global policy easings we've already seen delivered in 2020 is not to be extended still further. From Mark and myself, thanks as ever for listening. We'll be back next week when we'll be joined by our Asian expert, Brian Jackson. In the meantime, keep up to date with all the key market moving data and events in the Conaday's global economic calendar. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.